Who Ate My Cake, an all-things career podcast, helping you do work happy. Here on Who Ate My Cake, we're tackling things like imposter syndrome, FOMO, the role of money in our career choices, and your relationship with work, so that we can be in the driver's seat and not fear. So what's our bottom line? It's about crafting careers that fit, so you can do work happy. Who Ate My Cake and All Things Career Podcast is brought to you by HD Career Consulting, where we help you find work happy, as well as CC Content, here for all of your online content creation needs. You're listening to episode two, Can You Say No? So we're going to talk to you about what are boundaries, what do healthy boundaries look like, and what do we do when maybe our boundaries suck? We just want you to know that the information and opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and educational purposes. Any reliance on this information that is provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. Now that the legal jargon is all out of the way, let's get to listening. Hey folks, Cassie and Bree here. We just wanted to thank you for listening to Who Ate My Cake and All Things Career Podcast. It's now time for episode two. Can you say no? And today we're going to talk about boundaries. Yes, I think this is... This is a great conversation. I'm so excited to have this today. And honestly, whether you are pretty good with boundaries or not so great, uh, I think it, it it there's a lot of value in revisiting what your boundaries are and reestablishing those guidelines for yourself as a, a proactive, healthy response in the workplace as opposed to a reactive response. So if you're if you're proactively considering what do my boundaries look like and hey, is this crossing my boundaries? You're going to be in such a better position to navigate difficult conversations in the workplace and at home. Legit. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the big challenges in trying to to implement change in our work and our behavior is recognizing that we might be at a place that we need to maybe do something about it or at least taking inventory to determine if we need to do something about it. Ooh, I'm uncomfortable. What's causing this? (laughs) Yep. And so really this is for somebody, this is for you, the person, this is you, I'm talking to you for you because you show up to work and you, for some reason, continue to feel drained or exhausted, or you're having a difficult conversation with somebody and for whatever reason, you don't come back from that conversation as, as quickly, right? Um, maybe there's something that's happening at work that continues to happen that's negatively impacting you and you're not sure what to do about it, right? That's what this conversation is about. It's about helping you figure out how to have a difficult conversation, assert your boundary in a positive way that gets results. So the clinical definition of boundaries is your ability to be able to express yourself, get your needs met without fear of consequence. Okay. There's bookends to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can't go in and just be all out without factoring impact. And so the caveat to that is in order to have healthy boundaries, you have to do so with a framework or a lens that considers the harm factor. Okay? Yeah. And so, uh, being able to, as you've said before, look inward and look outward is a great, a great practice to get into, whether it's for boundaries or for something else in the workplace. And, and and we have a really cool thing that you can use. That's totally colloquial. Um, you're going to love it. It'll make a lot of sense. We're going to tell you towards the end. So stay tuned because it's going to be the funnest way. You're, you're never going to forget it. It's going to be the funnest way to be able to assess, where you're at with your boundaries and how you're impacting others and others are impacting you. It's going to be awesome. Good, lighthearted, fun. Good, lighthearted, fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. And so now that we have kind of a framework, what was another way you could say that uh, boundary, like how you articulate boundaries? You you had a great question structure. Like, can you... Just being able to to recognize the emotional response that you're having. If, if, if there's a situation where you're uncomfortable, there's a very good chance that it boils down to boundaries. If somebody's asking you to do something and you're all of a sudden very, very uncomfortable, uh, recognizing that you might not have clear and healthy boundaries with this individual to have this conversation safely. And by safely, just without blowback or consequence, right? Yeah. Um, just being able to to recognize those those little those little triggers that kind of crop up and you know it's the it's the warning signs right that that this conversation's not going to go well because you're about to ask for something or you're about to tell someone no are your requests received and are they internalized by the offender 
can they respond without confrontation or protest? Those are good things to, to be evaluating when you're uncomfortable in those scenarios and feeling like maybe you can't say no. Okay. Uh, to really bring it home, it's an interesting thing. It's taken a long time for me to be able to get to a place for me to look at people and be like, do you want to talk? Do you want to procrastinate? Can you do, is that where you're at? Like, because I'll co-sign you. I'll co-sign the crap out of you. <laughs> right. And, um, and then it, that's, you know, making a joke to be able to be like, Hey, I struggle with staying on task and focused in certain environments. And so the things that I do to manage that are like, shut my door, mm-hmm. um, put on headphones, there's all these things that I do to be able to manage those things because I'm such a social creature that um, I'm doing that to be able to manage my own boundaries. But then I get resistance because some people perceive my door being closed as rude and uninviting and all, right? And I'm not sure what to say about that except for expressing clearly that I shut that door for everybody's benefit. Right. When you're <laughs> at home, it's like, it, the difference would be, you know, obviously your kids are completely unaware of the boundaries and they'll just come right in. They're like, hey, what's going on in here? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> they'll knock repeatedly over yes. and over again, even though I ignore them, thinking as the microphone doesn't pick it up. Right. Yeah. I, even if I put a sign out, they're like, knock, knock, knock. Somebody knows that person that's like keeps knocking. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So for me, when I close my door, it's not necessarily meaning that I'm like ignoring you or that I'm shutting you down or whatever the case is. I'm doing it on purpose with intention. 99.9% of the time you can knock on the door and literally walk in and it's not a big deal. Okay. If I really need somebody to just leave me alone, I'm explicit about it. Right. So seeking ways to be able to communicate clear boundaries, being explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a very, like a very concrete, tangible boundary that you can set just by shutting your door shutting the door um but there there there's so many intangible boundaries in terms of respecting not just personal physical space but workspace in terms of overload and that might be cognitive overload or things of of a very intangible nature yeah i think some of the more sticky areas or hard places to be able to figure that out are the things that Probably for example, the, the example I gave about the door and some people being bent that my door's closed and feeling that I'm un, unapproachable because my door's closed. Like, or they start making like drawing conclusions in regards to you having headphones in. Like, what are you listening to? Are you listening to music? <laughs> are you working? And now all of a sudden uh, they're, they're perceiving something about what you're doing in regards to how it impacts them and they're taking it to a negative place. And this is what I have to say about that because people are going to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. People are going to draw conclusions. They're going to make assessments. They're going to decide. Part of it is assessing your environment, determining what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. If your boundary that you're trying to personally manage and the way that you manage it is not working for your environment, it's such a disruption to the way you do work and how you're perceived overall, if you don't manage it, then that's like a non-negotiable. Okay. Like at some point you have to figure out a way to be like, I hear what you're saying. I need you to hear very clearly that that is not the case, that that is, that's your experience. That's your feeling. So you can hear me in that or not, Mm -hmm. but I'm not opening my door when I'm trying to task on something. Because that's how I get my job done. So I recognize that you're uncomfortable. That's for you to work on. Because what I'm doing helps us make sure that both of us get our job done. Being very direct. Again, there's pros and cons to that. People get really uncomfortable when I tell them things like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. I'm not ready to talk about this. And they're like, wait, what? You're speaking feelings. Now now you're making me uncomfortable. Yeah. I can (laughs) tell you're uncomfortable right now. I'm going to go ahead and walk away. Yeah. Right? giving space. So that might, that works for me. That works for my personality. Some people are a lot better at being subtle and getting their needs met. I have to be direct. I have to say exactly what it is. I think, and when, and when I think it and how I think it be mindful about the delivery and then own the impact regardless of, regardless of how that lands, take responsibility when I do harm. And at the end of the day, build a strong relationship with the people that I'm communicating with so that they know that my intent is pure and they don't internalize things like tone 
attitude, whatever. I, I really don't give attitude. It's just that I'm pretty direct. And so some people interpret that as an attitude. Yeah. I think a lot of people, their perceptions and their judgments can, can lead to their, their assumptions of, oh, this is, this person's got attitude. This person's disrespectful. This person's in your face, whatever. So when we're talking about managing healthy boundaries, those things are going to be something that we have to navigate. People are going to have opinions. They're going to have perceptions. They're going to, in the best way I could tell you folks how to deal with that is to be direct, be confident, be aware of what it is that you do and why you're doing it and then stick to it because some people are just going to be out of agreement with what that looks like. And that goes back to somebody trying to qualify what works for you and what doesn't work for you. If they're trying to qualify it, that's their problem. Yeah. And well, in order to even establish healthy boundaries, you are going to have to sit in an uncomfortable situation and muddle through it. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily muddle through it, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to wade into it and recognize that usually the time that you're having to clearly define boundaries is when they're being crossed. Yep. Most, like that's how people learn is they do something that they're not supposed to. And then you have to kind of adjust it and bring it back to center and say, nope, that's out of the scope. Let's bring it back to center. So, um, I experience boundary challenges differently then say you. I think all of us experience boundary challenges differently than say the, the next person. And some of my boundary things are, 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 you know, common with, you know, there's intersectionality in some of those mm-hmm. things. Um, but to kind of give a little bit of diversity on like boundary challenges, give me some examples of like maybe a thing that you struggle with. Oh, I think one of the harder things for me is, um, boundaries for other people (laughs) i'm a i'm not gonna say that i have a savior complex but i do like to fix things for people i i I consider myself a problem solver and so i try to give colleagues and coworkers uh the tools to do something themselves but i'm like i'm super happy to be like let's do this together um and aka i might just do it for you uh yeah yeah would that be early on not so much now I've gotten a lot better about it to where I'm like, well, you did a really good job. And next time I bet you'll do better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I do. I, I I recognize that I, I have to kind of go through the motions of establishing boundaries. Um, my like my big trigger point is not so much the workplace, but personal relationships and having those clear boundaries, you know, and so I tend to to help and help and help and help. And then it's like one of those things where it's like I need to outline these boundaries. And sometimes those boundaries are respected and other times they're not. And things just get uncomfortable for a period of time. Like we'll go months without talking because it's like, well, that was stepped on. That was uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's either you get over it and you move on and you continue that conversation or you don't. And I think that you can proactively try to fix things, but you can't also change someone else's perception in terms yeah. of how things are. Really, there's a point in which you have to take inventory of the situation and the circumstance and be like, are we on the same wavelength? Have yeah. they been responding to my requests? Mm-hmm. Um, and does it doesn't mean they respond perfectly, but do you see growth? Mm-hmm. Do you see change, positive change? And if you do, then great. You guys are both, but everyone's on a, on a healthy pathway to self-discovery and everybody's taking in each moment as a teaching moment and you're adapting. Yeah. Okay. I feel like the workplace boundaries for me, they're so much easier because people are like, okay. (laughs) Right. Well, talk to me about, um, like boundaries in regards to high achievers, always being available, always showing up, always doing the extra work. Right. Because they, a plus matters. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes, has yes, ROI. Yes, yes. It has ROI. There's an agenda they're chasing, but it's out of balance because this isn't everybody, but because their life role, their home circumstance mm-hmm. can't support it. Oh yeah. I've done that in my early on in my career. I was very, very motivated to seek those extrinsic rewards by going the extra mile, uh, you know, signing up that last customer, making that extra sale, uh, going above and beyond. Showing up on Saturday. Showing up on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> like, Taking the phone you everywhere. Have, you have no day off or answering the email at three in the morning, like beeped on your nightstand and you picked up your phone and you looked at it and then you read it and you responded. I've done that. 
<laughs> and I'm like, that's not healthy. <laughs> right. And um, the thing is, is that it perpetuates because there's a reward factor attached mm-hmm. to it. And um, in those moments when I'm working with somebody who is like, they're like, I'm fatigued, I'm taxed, I got all this stuff going on. Uh, and then they tell me things like they're always available f- for employment purposes or they're always available to clients. Um, they're not saying always available, but they're t- describing behaviors and scheduling practices that indicate that they're pretty much always available. They'll drop everything and make themselves available. Uh, they're not available, but they're they're choosing to be. Yeah. And so in that system, in that environment, they look like they've got really like they're doing great, that that's not an issue. But what happens is, is there's this other aspect of our existence, our self and our community support system, really families, friends, children, um, that kind of thing that gets neglected. And sometimes we're okay with that. Okay. I'm not judging you if you're okay with that. That is what it is. What I am saying is, is if you're sitting there and you are tapped and you're exhausted and you're trying to figure out where the struggle is, maybe one of the things you need to take a look at is the things that you're chasing that are perceived as a reward or experienced as a reward? Um, And how is that factoring into what else you're stepping on to accommodate that feeling you're chasing? Yeah. Um, But if you think about where you put your energy and it can be at work, it can be at home, it can be relationships and things of that nature. And so if you're constantly taking away from like, say your personal relationships to give to another yeah, aspect of aspect your whatever of your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get to the point where that, that relationship is depleted. I know I've personally experienced that with mm-hmm. my husband where one of us is gung ho at a new job and it has our full attention. It's like, but wait, you're still married. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't, you can only take from that bucket for so long before you, you really start to experience some negative consequences from it. And you guys, those are boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's all boundary stuff. There's boundaries. Is there such thing as this equilibrium? I think, yes, the answer is there is such thing as equilibrium. Is it equal? In the the answer, I would say is no. There's no such thing as equality among your three aspects, um, yourself, others, and your work. Okay. Um, if you're religious, you might have a spiritual aspect in there too. That requires time and effort. And But you, you have to be looking for ways to be filling up these different buckets of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's times when work is really, really draining and your personal relationship is what fuels you and fills you up. And sometimes it's, you know, your spirituality is what fuels you and fills you up. But if you're constantly taking from that, it's going to be empty and yeah. you don't have anything to draw upon. Yep. And I think that's going to be a great episode about figuring out how to um, balance those things or find equilibrium. Balance is a cruddy word. It's about equilibrium in those systems so that they can work together and succeed together. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's coming up as a teaser. So we just gave you a lot of examples of the way boundaries can manifest um, and positively end in a negative way. So let's dig into what are we, what do we do if we have poor boundaries, right? Like what, like how do we fix this? So, yeah. So first recognizing, like you got to take inventory, take stock of what, what's a, what's a pretty good warning sign of not having clear boundaries. And so you can see that in your conversations. You're, if you're having interactions with a, a certain somebody at work, uh, and you're asking for something or getting pushed back, uh, if they continuously change the subject, if they have a strong emotional response to being told no, or you asking for something, uh, if they minimize your boundaries by making a joke mm-hmm. about it, laughing at it, uh, trying to make you feel bad, make you feel guilty, be like, Hey, you know, I've really been doing all this work and I just, I, I, I feel like, I feel like I, I just, I'm carrying so much right now. And then they're just like trying to to put that on you in terms of what their choices are. You kind of see that. You can feel that when they're trying to make you feel guilty. Um, getting overly critical or delegitimizing your, your no. Like, hey, 
I, I said, I can't do this because I've got this, this, and this to do. And their response is to be like, well, that's not really that much of a workload or they're, they're minimizing what it is that you're, you're putting your energy into in the workplace. It may not be important to them. It doesn't mean that it doesn't require a lot of effort and energy on your part. And that's the qualifying thing. Mm-hmm. So before we get to helping you address how to fix it, sometimes it's really helpful for us to understand how did we get here in the first place? Why Why am I having poor boundaries? Yeah. Why is that the case? Yes. And I think that's a good question. My ba- My poor boundaries have developed in certain areas due to mm-hmm. an, being anxious. Like I can't sit still. So like my chat, my chattiness is actually a symptom of me being like anxious and can't think, can't focus or what I got something going on that I'm like, and, and I got somewhere to disperse my energy. And so like, um, sometimes it's in the form of a creative brainstorm. So then I've got to like talk, 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 talk to figure it out. Um, and that's great when it's used appropriately in the right spaces with the right people. It's not always great when it's used in the wrong places. Right. And so what's propelling boundary abuse in those scenarios has a lot to do with my environment, how people are allowing me to invade their space or use their space, how I take up space in those moments, um, my timing, my situations, all of those kinds of things. There's a lot of things to inventory in that scenario. Um, it's not, it's not something that I could figure out overnight. It's, it's a long term yeah, situational. It's long-term reflection. It's seeking support from others to give me feedback about what that looks like. Right. I think, I think, uh, what's feeding poor boundary habits for a lot of people are, you know, just a a level of dysfunction that they were raised with. And so some of us were raised with the expectation that somebody's going to swoop in and fix things for us, or we have to swoop in and fix things for others. And so there's a level of control, giving control and taking control uh, that boundary setting really overlaps with in terms of work, working relationships. I think that that's right on. Another way to look at that is it's really about sense of security and safety mm-hmm. and the various behaviors that we participate in Oh yeah, to feel secure, you know, do, were you raised with confidence? Do you have self-confidence, self-esteem, self-efficacy? What are your what are your beliefs and your values in terms of yourself? And so many people don't really dig into that. There, we're we're by nature, I think, encouraged to look outward. Yeah. Uh, and, and so being able to to really focus in on our locus of control, that's usually what's going on right in our own headspace. Yep. And this, um, the, we talk about taking inventory a lot. You probably, I mean, you're probably going to hear in almost every episode that there's a point in which you have to take inventory. Inventory serves a purpose. It's the base function for collecting information. You take inventory, yes. you assess the outward. Okay. But that's just one piece guys. It's just one piece. It's not enough to, to do what, to be able to solve your problems based on what's being perceived outwardly mm-hmm. at some point. You have to to decide what works for you and you filter that against your values, wants, interests, needs as a benchmark for you to be able to sort out what is useful and what isn't useful. And then you have to get outside confirmation to make sure you're not, quote unquote, cherry picking the evidence that supports what you want yep. to believe. <laughs> yeah. Cause we do that sometimes confirmation yes, bias. Yes, exactly. We're like, Oh, this totally supports what I already thought. I'm going to run with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the fact, the thing that keeps that in check is the do, the do no harm piece mm-hmm. is, is you can do all that inventory. You can take assessment, you can evaluate, you can even seek feedback. Uh, and then you have to filter that through the lens of do no harm. How does this, does this harm me or does it harm others? Are they in their feedback harming me or am I harming others in the feedback that I'm giving them? Right. Uh, and so to kind of put a bow on that, it's Cassie was just talking about like control. It was about Mm -hmm. control and sometimes control, not sometimes I think control the, the, the attempt to seek control it stems from insecurity, flat out. Most control freaks are incredibly insecure. I'm a control freak. I have a lot of insecurities, and I'm with specific on things, them. right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, um, 
seeking control and maybe a red flag for some of us might be that when we are, when we are trying to control every aspect of whatever it is so that we can manage the impact, um, sometimes we have to take a look at how that affects our boundary setting and boundary receiving and boundary establishment. So when somebody seeks to qualify your, your statement, I'm not available today. Tell me why, what are you doing? What could you possibly be doing that you're not available today? Like you're so busy. (laughs) Yeah. That's qualify. That's a, that's Mm -hmm. a qualifying request. Uh, and folks it's bait. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. I like that. That's a good way to put it. Like, yeah. And, um, what happens when we take that bait is we actually diminish our authority and our ability to be able to assert when we've had enough. Cause now I'm explaining all of these things. Like I owe them an explanation and I'm taking away my, the strength that I originally delivered when I just said, Nope, not going to work for me. Not today. Not today, junior, not today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's another way of describing when people say you're giving away your power. Yes. Right? That's a really intangible thing people say to us all the time. You're giving away your power. Why are you giving away your power? Well, you're giving away your power because you go back and you qualify it, right? And when we qualify something, you're on the defensive. You're you're on the defensive and you're automatically acknowledging that it doesn't have value until you can prove it. Mhm. And so when you do that, you're giving away your power. And part of developing efficacy, when I say efficacy, it's confidence around what it is that we're doing. Okay. Belief in that, belief that you can do what you're doing and it's the right way to do it type. Yep. Approach. It has to do with taking ownership of you being confident about what you need and what you don't need. And one way to assert confidence when you're struggling with confidence is to say very definitive direct statements like that does not work for me. Mm-hmm. No, I am not available. Firm to the point without apology. So the more you do that, the more people hear you, the more efficacy you can develop around your own ability to assess what works for you and what doesn't work for you and know that you're going to be heard when it's all said and done. We just went through a lot of information. We did. Holy crap. Um, I, can I can I tell you a story? Like a, a weird story? Yeah, go for and it. it. It keeps on cropping up in my mind. And I had to establish some boundaries in terms of, you know, like requests that didn't really fit in with the work environment. And so uh, I had a male coworker who noticed that I wore glasses. And he was like so intrigued by that. And he was adamant and persistent about asking me to put them on for him and I I felt like it was a little thing um but going like back to what you were saying about like power and giving away your power in terms of like minimizing someone else or so um, that they don't have to be uncomfortable yeah really that's what happens when we when we're giving away our power we're uncomfortable for them and so we're gonna like minimize it so that we don't have to so nobody has to be uncomfortable yeah I didn't do that yeah (laughs) I was like uh no um but it was it was interesting so for for an example for me it was the first time that I had felt like I had a male colleague want to um assert control in 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 a silly way like a joking way yeah like that minimized me and they didn't really realize that that's what they were doing, but they were highly persistent about. Oh you doing yeah, that. he was like, I, I really like, and it was, in, it was in the middle of a training, and he was, he was like, you wear glasses, and I was like, yeah, I, I do wear glasses because <laughs> I had them on the table. I need them for seeing far away, but if I'm looking at a computer screen, I don't need them. And so I was looking at a computer screen and um, didn't need to wear them at the moment, and um. He was just so persistent and in interrupting with it and just like, hey, yeah, let, just let me see. I want to, you should put them on. I want to see what they look like. And it's just like, that's so inappropriate. Like, you think that your coworkers should stop what they're doing so that you can see what they look like with glasses uh, on or off. It's, you know, because I've, I've had the request also, take your glasses off. I want to see what you look like without your glasses. I was like, why do you care what I look like with or without my glasses? So let's talk about that for a second, because um, there's this thing that happens when we are, when our boundaries get violated, mm-hmm. that kind of like creates a, like a physiological response occurs. Oh yeah. I had a physio. I was, I was 
I was angry. I was just like, what are you doing, <laughs> sir? Stop. Person across the table. Stop that. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. and it was a really like, so yeah. it triggered you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, I, I can, I remember that day very, very clearly because, and I handled it. I feel like I handled it well because he was like, put your glasses on. Super sick. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're like, he's so pumped up. And I was just like, no, <laughs> no, keep working. And I just kind of went about my business, but, um, you know, I didn't change my tone and I had to reestablish it a couple of times. Like, no, I'm not going to do that right now. Yeah. It's like a really weird request. And yeah. so like, I wonder how many times somebody would be like, oh, okay. Like, and he got, I, I think he got uncomfortable and I could have explained why I wasn't going to do it. Um, but honestly, I didn't care to. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like in sometimes in those like moments, that's a though, sign that you have good boundaries. Like you can say no. You can recognize that what somebody is asking you is either it can be ridiculous. It can be inappropriate or just not in the right setting or whatever. But you can say no and you can recognize that they're uncomfortable and, and be OK with and them be being okay uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I was very much so OK with that. Yeah. There's <laughs> this thing. It's like, oh, I said no. Yay. But then when they push back I'm like oh but no you gotta understand like it really makes me uncomfortable then you've just like blown it right yeah um and so the other the other one that I've noticed and I don't know if you noticed this when you were pregnant in the workforce people wanting to touch your stomach Ooh, I got a I got a story for you about boundaries yeah and about people assuming that they have access to certain levels of your boundaries like, like the baby, the baby bump is shared communal space now. So they oh, have a right to or even it too. just <laughs> asking weird questions about whatever thing I'm experiencing in the moment. It was so odd, literally sitting up at the front desk. Uh, there was somebody I worked with that we used to contract with for services and I handled all the contracts. I worked with them pretty regularly. So I knew them, but I knew them in a professional setting. I did not go have coffee, coffee with them. I didn't share pregnancy stories with them. They didn't know that I was married or not married. They didn't have all of that personal information. I'd look at those like spheres of access and they were like kind of like on the outer skirts of professional access, right? Like I was polite to them. I got them coffee and tea when they wanted it. I called them for professional reasons, but we didn't talk about anything but tea and crumpets, mm -hmm. right? And we're sitting there and I'm sitting at the desk and they are there to turn in an invoice. And my baby at the time in my belly was pushing on my ribs. Like she, like she was stretching, like something was happening. And like my inside was like, this is my first kid. I've never really experienced this before. And I'm sitting down in a chair. She's probably uncomfortable because I'm all collapsed on top of her. And she's just pressing on all different directions. And so I'm rubbing on my stomach and like, and I'm not at a place where I want to be recognized of like, Hey, you're pregnant. You're the pregnant lady, right? Like I just wasn't that kind of sharer in that scenario. Okay. And so not commenting on it, period, is really in my, at that moment in my life was like the best place to be. Like I shared that experience very personally with friends and close family. Uh, anybody outside of that, like it's obvious I'm pregnant. You don't need to seek confirmation that I'm pregnant, right? Like it's clear, right? When in doubt. Don't ask. Don't ask. Yeah. Don't assume. And don't I don't comment. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so whatever the case was, I was like rubbing. I was uncomfortable. I'm tired. My feet are the size of freaking like red oak trees. And I had to ask permission to wear Crocs because that's how swollen my feet were. And this and lady was like, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? What do you, what do you do? Who are, and starts asking me like 29 questions about my pregnancy. I looked her dead in the face, <laughs> deadpan look. And I was like, nope. And I kept rubbing on my belly. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> and I kept rubbing my stomach and that might've done a little bit of harm. But in that moment, I really just did not give a damn because I was just like, not want like all the questions she was asking was like none of her business. And I didn't want to explain to her why it was none of her business. Cause in that moment, I wasn't at a place where I wanted to educate somebody on what I felt was respectful or mindful or what my boundaries were. So I just threw up the fence and was like, Nope. And you guys, I was so pregnant. <laughs> like it was perfectly clear that I was pregnant. Yeah. And so I remember, I actually remember that. 
<laughs> everybody in the office there was like two or three people up front you were up front i was up front yeah. and another one of our another one of our colleagues was up front and they could have died because they were like what and i was like nope nobody said anything though the other two women sitting at the desk just like looked down at the table and was like well we knew where that was going um but i deadpan no absolutely not no i'm not pregnant i was like seven months pregnant i was so pregnant <laughs> you you couldn't see your feet anymore no i was so pregnant <laughs> So, um, boundaries, boundaries, Mm -hmm. I like, and talk about those moments where we think we know somebody and then we might like think that we have more privilege Mm -hmm. in that moment than we maybe knew. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable. I just, I just kept doing what I was doing. Didn't care. And, um, can I do that in every situation? Absolutely not. There's moments where I totally explain and try to justify and, and hear where that stuff comes from. That stuff comes from unresolved crap that I've got going on. Okay. So we're all a work in process. Power, uneven power dynamics Mm -hmm. in situations where I've felt like I had to explain my no. Yeah. (laughs) Is usually I I feel like I don't have enough power in the room. And when I've been confident in the room that I'm in, I know, and I'm good with that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that influence those situations, power dynamics, where we're at with ourselves, what we've got going on. There's so much self-care stuff that goes into making sure that this stuff works. Um, and we can't cover that all today in this episode. But what we do know is, is that there's plenty of examples and plenty of situations where it just boils down to the feeling of being uncomfortable, as well as somebody else's ability to be able to feel and be uncomfortable, like all in that moment. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we just got done talking about what are boundaries? How do we deal with boundaries that aren't being set very well or being invaded? As well as why do sometimes we struggle with setting boundaries ourselves or others with us? So now I think it's time for wrap up. Um, what can we do today? Well, there's this really cool thing called your bill of rights yes. in relation to your boundaries. Some mental health professionals have mul- uh, have a multitude of versions of this. This is, this is actually from... Uh, uh, an anxiety and phobia workbook yeah <laughs> uh, maybe just grab a couple off of there mm-hmm. and then we can put the reference on the website for folks to be able to refer to it if that if they want to check it out yeah so there's there's 25 of them um first and foremost i have the right to ask for what i want um and then it ends with i have the right to be happy and so there's quite a few from start to finish uh, as you go through and kind of look at some of them, we, we can absolutely post it up online. So it looks like there's 25 of them. Yes, 25 of them. So oh. I have the right to change my mind. I have the right to say no. I have the right to be uniquely myself. I have the right to say I don't know. There's some very, very fantastic um, statements that I, I think a lot of people like on the surface, we know this to be true but we yeah, don't theoretically theoretically but we don't always give ourselves space it. to to actually express ourselves in a way that say yeah i do have the right to change my mind in this circumstance or this situation and mm-hmm. that's you know circum situations changed and now i can't do this or i have to uh shift my energy or focus here yeah i think one of the biggest things that are going to be helpful is in regards to bill of rights is being okay with change of mind Mm-hmm. people are going to resist every time you decide that it's not, that it's not okay anymore. But you right? said, but you said, or you used to, that's mm-hmm. not how it used to be. Not my problem. I, I have the right to change my mind. I changed my mind. And, and so again, you don't even need to explain it. You'd be like, yep, it was like that. Now it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And, um, so check out these bill of rights. If you are looking for some framework to be able to do some like kind of reflection on, uh, another thing that would be helpful for you to do today uh, if you're at a place where you're contemplating whether or not you're struggling with your boundaries or you need help, just that little boost to get you through um, delivering your boundary definition to somebody is, it's Cassie's favorite thing, affirmations. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, listeners, if you are aware of what an affirmation is, but basically it's a positive statement to yourself. And maybe you believe it, maybe you don't. And but the goal, the goal is to rewire your brain to where you do believe it. So you want to say it 
loud. You want to say it proud. You want to stand up tall. Look yourself, look yourself dead in the eye in the mirror and do this and say whatever affirmation that makes you feel strong, tall, strong, confident, whatever, um, you know, I am capable. I am lovable. I can do this. I'm going to do this. Whatever this is, you know, I deserve boundaries. Yeah. Um, Boundaries make me happy. Um, Another way to do that is to like do the Superman pose. Power pose. That power pose. There's research out out there that it works. If you're uncomfortable while you do it, it's probably working. (laughs) you you are actually in the process of change and it feels uncomfortable there's what is it mountain pose for yoga Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot of those ones where it kind of forces you to stretch out and take up space yeah it it changes all your energy it's it sounds goofy but it legitimately works if you're uncomfortable it's probably because you're it's called dissonance and dissonance is a great sign that change is about to occur because you're uncomfortable and that's where you want to be. So um, when you're uncomfortable and you sit in how uncomfortable you are, you get to a place of where you could overcome being uncomfortable and really embody whatever that is. So um, what else can we tell you? So that's what you can do today. And really the bigger stuff moving forward is how does it feed into your tomorrow? And we talk a lot about taking inventory Okay. This is a foundation strategy, taking inventory. And the thing that we want you to take inventory of as far as assisting with helping you define how that feeds into your tomorrow is taking inventory of your triggers because our triggers and our feelings are what implode our communication on the back end when we don't have them managed or articulated or defined or compartmentalized. Okay. And you... Take the opportunity to to inventory your own feelings. Sit for a minute um, so that you can find a place to move forward. Yeah, because once you kind of start digging through some of those emotions and figuring out, hey, this situation triggers me because X, Y, Z. And then this is how I feel. If you're angry, if you're upset, if you're sad, if you're uncomfortable, whatever it is, those negative emotions that you're experiencing, uh, they don't just magically go away. You can kind of like tamp that down like, ah, I'm okay. This is all right. Even though it's like an unhealthy work dynamic and you feel very, uh, very triggered by it, you you have to express those emotions in some way. They're going to come out. And so it, it can either come out in a cry fest in your supervisor's office. Uh, yeah. Or it can come out because you're yelling at your coworker. Crying at whatever. your coworker. You could cry at them. You can yell at them. Uh, so those emotions are going to come out somewhere. <laughs> it's just a matter of how do you let them out and how do you let them out appropriately in yeah. the appropriate space. And knowing um, what the source of those triggers are so that you can um, provide the appropriate response, right? Because sometimes mm-hmm. those triggers are unrelated to that particular moment. It's attached to some other experience. If you have any, if you want to learn more about triggers, I recommend doing some reading on trauma based stuff and what trauma does to us and how trauma um, is attached to triggers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's some great therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists out there that have done some research on trauma and trauma triggers. Yeah. Um, That's something that we encourage you to, to, to go do. Um, But know that oftentimes those triggers are attached to trauma and you have to figure out where that trauma comes from. And then you have to make sure that um, when you get ready to deliver your message, it can be heard because you're talking about what's happening in the present, not what's happened in the past um, in relation to what is attached to that experience that got you all bent out of shape in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes we can do that on our own. Sometimes we need to really go do some deep work with a therapist and a person who stress, a person, a professional, a certified professional who specializes in treatment of trauma and trauma brain to be able to get there. And so, um, yeah, that's I, a really heavy statement, folks. Not but- a lot of people can work through PTSD on their own. Yeah, that's that takes a community. So yep, I, I I strongly strongly recommend that you 
you look for the support systems that you need if it's if your trauma stems from uh something that's to the point where you have ptsd uh or you think that you might have ptsd because a lot of people are not aware of it Mm -hmm. um but if it's and trauma can actually be you can have trauma experiences from the work like in the workplace we should get Mm -hmm. a trauma specialist on here to talk about like trauma experiences in the workplace because trauma really there are trauma experiences that we've had in workplaces in, in workplace scenarios that actually impact our reactions and those kinds of things mm-hmm. and dealing with those boundaries uh, moving forward. Um, that's going to be a fun episode because I think it's, it like gives a lot of people some context and some solution, some understanding around what that looks like. Yeah. So um, taking inventory uh, and then the feeding in tomorrow, sometimes we can't do it. Like, like we were saying um, you can't do it on your own. You need to be doing that with somebody who's specialized in dealing with what that looks like um, to help you negotiate that. So, Finally, bridging the gap. Okay. So I would expect that if you've listened to this entire episode at some level, you're contemplating whether or not you have boundary issues in some area of your life. And to bridge that gap was a little bit about what we talked about just a second ago, which is talking to a specialist if it's trauma-based or trigger-based, and maybe you need to explore some stuff with that. Um, Other things you can do are there's this resource that we're going to put up online uh, that has the Bill of Rights to check that out. Uh, We can also uh, do some journaling around a couple questions, okay? One of those questions are, um, what are you willing to do to better understand where your boundaries are at and how they feed into your long-term success for tomorrow as a reflective exercise. Okay. So, um, if this is something that continues to crop up that impacts your success, then you really have to, to have some reflection, whether it be through journaling, through dialoguing, through taking inventory, some way to be able to look at the longitudinal picture Mm -hmm. of how it came about. Why is it there? And what am I going to do about it moving forward? Yeah. So, um, if you're like, say you're struggling with a, a boundary situation at work, something else that you might want to do before you go, like, say you're running into a situation where you can't get your vacation time and your manager wants to quantify or minimize why you need or want to take off time. Um, it might be a good idea to role play what a healthy boundary conversation would look like with a colleague or a friend uh, in terms of this is what I'm asking for and this is when I need it and then being able to set clear firm boundaries that, Hey, this is my vacation time, not getting emotional or taking the bait. Like we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier when they want to know, but why, you know, you can just step back and say, this is it. This is what I need. And then, and and get it and walk out of that conversation. Sometimes it's so helpful to just practice it and see, okay, that's what a healthy conversation around this specific area looks like. And so in those moments doing that and also the, 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 cherry on the cake is you also need to explore what happens if you don't get that need met what does that mean like long term is this boundary issue a non-negotiable is it flexible can you adapt is it something that's at the end of the day maybe something you could scrap all together because it's not that big of a deal um when you're trying to define that boundary issue you have to put a sense of um, importance on what that is based on how it impacts you and what it does to feed your success long-term. And so you brainstorm, you come up with a strategy, you brainstorm how to talk about what it is that you need. You maybe even practice how you ask for that vacation. You also need to prepare for if they don't give you the answer you want, what's going to be the potential outcome of that and how are you going to navigate that? So that you don't walk into like a re-implosion because you've tried to get your needs met and then it's not happening. Right. And you're like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> Just keep on going. Right. Um, being able to, to address, I, I think if you, if you, if you, you don't exactly know that everything's going to stay the same, but there's a, what is it? Past performance um, is indicative of, Future, future success. success, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how it goes. Past performance is indicative of future success. And we apply that to the stock market. 
it goes up and it goes down, but it doesn't necessarily uh, mean that it's going to continue to maintain this level of success or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing in the work workforce. You can recognize that you keep getting told no, or this boundary keeps getting ca- uh, crossed or uh, it's not respected. You can kind of start to assume like that's not going to change and you can put those parameters on there and it, continue to be an issue and then at that point it's like do I need to look elsewhere yeah what this does is it empowers you again to collect information so that you can get to a place of making a decision instead of living in a space at work of feeling like you're the victim of your circumstance and your situation you can actively participate in this process by defining these by being able to seek feedback from your supervisors your colleagues about those particular issues to see if they're going to to play on the same page as you mm-hmm. compromise, collaborate with you, or are they not? Because once you've made that honest attempt, now you have information to be able to decide whether or not you're going to stick around. Yes. And that's what this is all about is being able to collect the right kind of information so that you can make a healthy decision for yourself and not feel like you're a victim of your circumstance. Absolutely. And if you're not in a position to change jobs or look outward for new opportunities, uh, that doesn't mean that you should give up boundaries by any means. Nope. Um, I think that you should continue to establish and maintain those boundaries. And when somebody attempts to cross whatever boundary it may be, you can can continue to empathize with them, but stay detached and not get sucked in, not take the bait, uh, and, and really hold your ground. And at some point you'll notice a shift. There will be a change. Um, what is it? The tipping point? Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Eventually, like it's it's amazing where it's like you'll you'll or run the flash into, point. Yeah, you'll run into resistance and you'll hit that wall. You hit that wall. Hit that wall, and then all of a sudden, it's like something changes. Yep. And so do do keep trying. Do keep it um, keep it on the front burner. Stay consistent with it, and you will eventually start to see the changes that you want. Yep. So we're going to go ahead and close this up. We were brainstorming about like how we could really hit this home and like, what's the one thing you could do to assess today. And it's the boundary hokey pokey. It's the boundary hokey pokey. (laughs) You put one foot in and you put one foot out and then you put your left foot in and you put your left foot out and then you shake it all about. And then you turn around so that you can do the hokey pokey, which is really just looking around everywhere else. You try a couple of different things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta look inward and you, then you gotta look outward and then you gotta look inward again and then you gotta look outward. And then you gotta use that information to turn yourself around and get yourself on track and where you wanna go. And that's- you know, To that's, shake it all about. Yeah, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, there yeah. you go. So shake, shake things up at work the boundary hokey pokey Mm -hmm. that's brought to you by yours truly cassie is her great idea Uh, i got i got a really weird song stuck in my head now (laughs) (laughs) we just wanted to thank you for listening if you liked what you heard please like share and spread the word check us out on whoatemycake.com 